0: Has anybody changed anything? <laughs> I mean, kind, of the, kind of the idea, isn't it, when, when you talk about something the whole time in the summer and all that stuff, you know, and you've gone through the spiritual discipline subjects and, say, and I get up here and I become annoying and I say, has anything changed? <laughs> I am really glad to be here. In fact, when Pastor Tim gave me the chance to speak on one of the subjects in this uh, series of messages, I said, I want, I want guidance because that's what I need. <laughs> Yeah, everybody needs guidance, don't they? Really, I I do, and so do you. In fact, I need it more than anything else because I'm going to be teaching a course in spiritual transformation, and uh, or yeah, spiritual transformation—that's the name of it. And you know, when I went to seminary back in the 1800s, we didn't even talk about spiritual transformation. We just talked about learning more and getting better skills and those kinds of things. I mean, if if you're my age or or you're anywhere near 100 years old. That's what we talked about then, isn't it? So when I came to this thing of spiritual transformation and they asked me to teach it, I said, yeah, I want to teach it because I know nothing about it. So I've been studying the subject of uh, spiritual transformation and I thank God that you're looking at those things too because like it says, I need to be transformed and I need to be transformed from the inside out, not from the outside in, which is the way I learned to do it, Although I don't mean to blame everybody in my past, but I tell you what, there were times when uh, it was just a matter of doing things and not becoming something, and that's just the way it worked in my, my day. And I think I took the things that people taught me that could have helped me be the man I needed to be, and I turned them into doing the things I needed to do. Anybody? Is there an amen in the house, really? Come on. Yeah, I think so. Yeah. So all of you are about 100 years old with me. You come from the same generation as I do. I got you. Yeah. Guidance, wow, (laughs) Ah, I need that, Uh, we need that, I mean, I ask myself which way, and then I say, Lord, (laughs) after I ask myself, I ask, Lord, which way should I go, and uh, when should I go, and which job, and which church, and which guy, and which gal, and You know, on and on and on, which college? And then you go into the other part of it and you say, well, when? Lord, when? Now? Later? Sometime in the future? Never? What what is it, Lord? And and all of us go through those kinds of uh, questions. That's just the way it is. I heard about a man recently who met a beautiful young woman in September of 1967 and was convinced within a month that they should marry. And they were, the next June. And they didn't have to. They just were married the next June. Nearly 50 years later, they're convinced that God was guiding them. How's that happen? I mean how, how does that happen? 50 years later, they know that God was guiding them back then in 1967-68. In fact, this guy told me that two years later they both left their jobs and they didn't know where they were going ultimately but they knew they had to move and go towards ministry and so they started to go towards ministry and they needed guidance as they went along every step of the way because they never knew the long-term goal until they finally got to it so they had to take these steps along the way not knowing what the long-term goal was but which the next step should be to get someplace down the road to that long-term goal and they asked for guidance and they got it. They got it. Isn't that amazing? They got it. Down through the years, they, uh, they wanted to know where they should live, what church they should go to, what ministry they be involved in, uh, when to have kids, uh, should they have a boy or a girl. No, they didn't ask that. <laughs> uh, but they asked all kinds of questions, and, and somehow, even, even without them knowing very much about the whole subject of guidance and how to get God's guidance, they got it. <laughs> so, so you know it isn't that you can take a course or you can study a subject in a Sunday sermon and then you can say, oh, now I can start. No, you've been doing it. Sometimes you just don't know how you did it, and sometimes God interrupted you and told you what to do next, even though you didn't know enough to ask or you didn't know how to ask. How to ask. That's my story. Yeah, that's my story, my wife Ilona and me, and that is just a fraction of the countless times we needed to hear from God And if we didn't hear from God, we would not have the assurance that we should take the next step, whatever that next step was. And we go hesitatingly into life. And I don't want to live hesitatingly into life. I want to go full force, full volume, because I know where God wants me to go. Every follower of Christ needs guidance we may not like it when we get it yeah is there an amen for that yeah 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 but you know we know enough about choosing the bad fork in the road and saying i i don't like it but i i guess i need to do it because i need i need guidance and so we end up hopefully taking the right road and going to the place god wants us to go and this thing comes up all the time i had a I was speaking in another church this summer where I spoke a couple of times like here and and, uh, I had a guy that I've known for years who was in the church. He was at our church at Millington for a long time and then uh, years later he went down to this church and so I was preaching there and he said, you know, Pastor, I need to meet with you sometime this week and I said, good, that's great. And so that Thursday night we met at his house. He lives in a next-door town, so we met at his house and uh, he said, you know, what I need is guidance, (laughs) And he wasn't talking about mine, he was talking about God's, so he was asking me, how do you get God's guidance? I don't want to know what you think, Peter, I want to know what God thinks, because I know about what people think, and some of it makes sense, some of it doesn't, but but that isn't enough, I want to know what God thinks, and this man's about 50 years old, he's at a turning point in his career, he's accomplished the goals that he wanted to, and the kids are leaving house, they're going to college, and then to their careers, And he's at this this prime point where he can decide, am I going to go this way or am I going to go this way? Which way will count more for the kingdom of God? I want to make the right decision, you know? Either way looks good, but I want to know what God says about my next steps in life. And so I told him as much as I could about guidance. And I know that you want to hear as much as I can give you about guidance. And I'm not the final word on it. I don't know everything about it. I haven't always done it well. <laughs> I probably won't do it well in the future at times, but but I know something about guidance because that was our story. It's been 50 years now. alone and I have been together, and even before that, I see the hand of God working in my life, and I wonder, and I said, man, I didn't see that at the time, but it was all over the place, wasn't it? And I look back, and there it was, sure shooting. It's there. So let me talk for a bit about Guidance, God's guidance. And let me, let me just start out by asking you to avoid the extremes. There's a lot of extremes out there in terms of guidance, and you can find them all over the place. In fact, I, I would say beware of the super leaders who can tell you what God says beyond what the Bible says. You know, And they're out there. They're out there as much as they've ever been. There's a dozen or so leaders in the Christian world today who are largely self-appointed, uh, responsible and accountable to no one, except to themselves, and they're under no authority from anybody else. They answer to themselves, and some have churches. Some are large churches, some are not large churches, but they make their connections with Christians throughout our country in particular. I know nothing about other countries, but maybe other countries too, I don't know, through social media and conferences. And they have a vast network, and they are reaping more money than I I can even estimate. Because they have these conferences and they sell books and that kind of thing, they're making all kinds of money. Boy, I'll tell you, I read the article from Christianity Today back in August about these folks, and they call themselves apostles and prophets, and uh, they go on the basis of recognition by people. <laughs> Boy, I'm just, I'm just so scared of those folks. I mean, that is so dangerous. And be careful because some of the things they say are right on target. <laughs> That's what's so deceptive and so difficult with it. What they say is okay in some senses. But then, then they come to this thing about who you should marry and which job you should take. And they get a prophetic word from God and they know what you should do. And I say, oh, hold everything. Hold, hold everything. Be, be, be very careful of uh, super leaders when you're looking for God's guidance. Let me say also, beware of the Bible only, folks. That sounds crazy, doesn't it? Yeah, I gave my life to this book, changed my life. I memorized two verses, and all of a sudden, June 18, 1966, my life was changed because I responded to two verses in the Bible. So now I'm saying, beware of the Bible only, folks. Let me explain, if I can, please. I know that sounds strange. Um, Who should I marry? You know, a lot of people asking that question. I, I asked it, a lot of single people. Uh, divorced, Never been single or never been married. A lot of people ask that question. I've asked the same question. Who should I marry? Well, I go to my Bible and I look in my Bible in various places and I find that a guy should marry a gal and a gal should marry a guy and, and that other person should be a believer walking with Jesus. Really, I would add uh, from the scriptures that they ought to be a guy or a gal who wants to walk with Jesus the same as you walk with Jesus, only want to go steps further than that. So this this thing of label of uh, uh, oh yeah he's a Christian so he's okay uh, no 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 have a have a heart to walk with God in, in a a covenant relationship with each other that's what you're looking for. So I find that in the Bible and that's pretty plain. But but Jane and Betty are both Christians and they want to walk with God. So where in the Bible do I find the names Betty and Jane? I don't know. I look at my concordance and I can't find it. Betty or Jane, so what do I do? That's all I'm saying. Be very careful that you're not locked in only to what the Bible says in terms of uh, those kinds of questions. What happens is that uh, you end up making the most informed decision you can and you take out this thing in my pocket and you go like that. Oh, it's Betty. It, it, that's right it's tails so it's Betty or it's heads or it's, or it's something yeah, that's not a very good way now, I, I don't need to hear from God to know which thing on the menu I'm going to choose and I don't need to know from God which uh, pair of socks I'm going to I mean Elona said "Wear these so I wore these yeah, I didn't need to hear from God unless, unless you think Elona's taste is not very good then maybe I do need to I don't know I'm just saying that when it comes to a life partner or my vocation or the church I attend and give my heart to or my choice of college, I I don't know where to find a specific word in the Bible about that. I get the principles. I get the guidelines. I get that. I get the, yeah, over here is okay. This is not okay. But when I get about 20 choices over here, I say, which one? And somehow I need to hear from God. I, I just I just gotta hear God's voice somehow in the midst of it. So be very careful to avoid the extremes. The super leaders are are one group of people and they'll tell you everything you need to know about God's will for your life and every detail of it. (laughs) no, no. But be careful also that you don't lock yourself in and say, well, God only spoke in this book and that's all I have to go on in terms of what he wants me to do, uh, where to work, where to live, what college, which uh, spouse, all those questions be careful of the extremes and take time to answer the question here's the real question that lies behind our decisions concerning the subject does god speak today that's really the question is it does god speak today does he or doesn't he speak thomas jefferson i'm told was a deist in theology and in practice and uh, that means that he simply said god created it he set it in motion He doesn't interfere with it in any way. There's no contact anymore. I think some of us Christians are deists in practice, but not theology. You know? We just kind of assume that I've got to go figure this out and get my friends to tell me, and I take the test, and I I figure out everything that needs to go on, and, and that's about all I can expect. I look at the Bible, and I find out what the Bible says, and that's it, and then I make my decisions. And really what I'm doing is I'm ending up in this place where where I'm just taking my logical choices and other people's logical choices, and then finally, because I've got ten friends and they all say something different, I'm flipping the coin. (laughs) It's just not the answer. Does God speak today? Yeah, He speaks. Let me just go through this for a minute. I know He spoke in the past. I mean, I open my Bible, and the the Old Testament is full of God speaking. I go to the first chapter of of Genesis, and I, I read 11 times, God said... God said, I don't know how he said it. So I don't assume that he had a microphone. I don't assume anything. I'm just saying, he said, he spoke. That's all. I read that he spoke through a burning bush and out of the fire and the cloud, and he spoke to Hagar and he spoke to Jacob. He spoke to Isaiah and Jeremiah. He spoke to Samuel and he spoke to Malachi. And that's just a fraction of the times when we see him speaking in the Old Testament. In fact, it seems like he's seldom silent. Isn't that an interesting way to look at it? He's seldom silent. He speaks so much. And I know they wished he would speak at times when he didn't. But you look at the overall picture, and he's, he's constantly speaking. God is. And then Jesus comes along. And listen, every time Jesus spoke, God spoke. Every, every time. If Jesus is God, then every time, every time Jesus spoke, then God spoke. Every single time, he says, Mary, Mary. And he says, come and follow me. He speaks about his identity, his purpose, his destiny, and he speaks about ours. And in the final book of the Bible, he says, do not be afraid, I am the first and the last. Now, this is where I'm going with my, my sense of logic. If God, if, if God had never spoken to his people in the past, I would need evidence that he had started speaking, Okay? But, but if I can find evidence that he spoke to his people in the past, I would need evidence that he stopped speaking. Does is that, is that make sense to you? That makes so much sense to me. Let me just say it again so I can get it clear in my mind. If, if he had never spoken to his people in the past, then, then I would need evidence that he started speaking. Okay? So... Where's the evidence? Wait a minute, I'm I'm getting all mixed up with that. Would you straighten me out, please? Uh, Let me go back to my notes. If he had never spoken to his people, I would never need evidence that he has started speaking, but that's not the case. He has spoken. So what I need is evidence that he stopped speaking, and I can't find it. I just, that's right, he hasn't. That's my conclusion. I have to conclude that he speaks. You say, wait a minute, isn't the Bible complete? Oh, that's a really good question, because we get stuck on this one. And we get mixed up in my past, at least. Maybe not here at the crossing, I'm not sure. But but lots of us, because we come from a a place of deep respect and reverence for what the Word of God says, we say, oh no, that's the final revelation. And I say, yeah, that's the final revelation, absolutely. And everything that you think God may be saying, or somebody else says God is saying, you better check against the book. Because that book never changes, and it's not subject to, to whether my hearing is good at the moment. It says it, that's it, that's the end of it, and so I've got that settled. Every word of God is sure and true. Jesus said that, I can live by that. So I need to test everything against it. But listen, that doesn't mean God is now silent. No. So I I have to conclude, yeah, he speaks. Yeah, he speaks. And that may be the most important thing you can decide today. You know, unless you decide that that he can't speak or he won't speak. Okay, if you can take those off the, off the table, then you can go on and you can expect him to speak. Yeah, you know what I mean? Expect him to say something to speak. I mean, really, you're, a lot of your parents, would you not speak to your children? Would you not assure them of your love? Would you not? Would you not speak to them of the danger of the direction that they're going? Would, would you not tell your children a better way to do things? I mean, what kind of dad are you? What kind of mom are you? Just sit silently and let your kid go off the cliff. Now, you may not be able to stop him from going off the cliff, but you're not going to be silent. Not if you're a decent dad. Not if you're a decent mom. Is God a decent dad? Oh, boy. <laughs> Is he a decent dad? Of course, he is. The other thing about this whole decision to expect him to speak that's really important to me is I begin to imagine what will happen if I expect him to speak. What will I be doing? I'll be listening. Yeah, I'll be watching. I'll, I'll, I'll have my ear turned towards heaven. I will be looking for his word coming through uh, my friends. I, I, will, I will expect him to remind me of things through the creation that he's made out there. I, I will expect him to speak during messages like this. I will expect him to speak through, through the events of the day. I will expect him to whisper to me at the, at the most strange moments when I don't expect him to whisper or speak. I'll expect him to, because that's what he does. So you've got to decide, does God speak? And if he does, then you expect him to speak. Our kids went to, a, our, our grandkids went to a, a number of uh, VBS uh, summer adventure programs this summer, and one of the places, and I forgot to bring it with me because it's in my other car, and I brought this car because I was running out of gas, but you don't need to know all that, so forget that. <laughs> Would you please take that off the tape if it's a tape or something. They had a little bracelet that said, watch for God. Yeah, yeah, watch for God. You see, see what happens when I watch for God in the daily occurrences of life? <laughs> I tilt the table towards hearing from him. You know, when you tilt the table, everything slides down. Well, if you decide God doesn't speak, you tilt the table against him. That's right, because he's got to overcome your, your decision that he doesn't speak. But if you decide he does speak and you expect him to speak and you watch for God, then you tilt the table, and all of a sudden you hear from God, and you say, "Well, wow! Well, it's just the natural result of the decision you made. That's all, because you decided God speaks." I expect him to speak. I'm going to listen for him to speak. I'm going to watch for him. I'm going to see what he says. So, my friends, start listening. (laughs) Start listening. Start listening with this book open. See, I'm not going away from this book, honest. It may sound strange what I said before about the Bible only, but, but I go back to it when I say start listening, and I mean start listening with the Bible only. If the voice you hear contradicts what God says here, or it contradicts or goes beyond what, what the Bible permits in terms of the principles of the Bible, you just say, no, that's the enemy. Amen. And the enemy is going to say all kinds of things to you. He's going to teach you all kinds of morals that don't come from the Bible or don't conform to the Scriptures. See, so you you've got to be aware. You've got to say, What am I got to see? Is that in the Bible? Some of the greatest people in the Bible are in Acts, in the book of Acts, where they went, they went and checked out God's word uh, against what Paul said. Imagine, a Paul preaches and they're going home and they're studying to make sure if what he said is accurate. <laughs> That's all right. Yeah, yeah. So you go home and say, What Peter said, is that accurate? <laughs> yeah, only get it here. Get it here. In fact, the Apostle John knew what was going to happen. He said, Dear friends, do not believe every spirit, but test the spirits to see whether they are from God, because many false prophets have gone out into the world. And there's lots of false prophets today. And they'll tell us all kinds of things, and you'll hear it from pulpits, you'll hear it from the, the, the radio, you hear it on the web, you hear it all kinds of places, but there's all kinds of false prophets today. And what I have to do is, when I ask God, what do you want me to do with this, or where do you want me to go with that, and when do you want me to go, I have to have my Bible open and make sure that I'm not going out of the boundaries. Almost like guardrails. The Bible gives us guardrails. We get all kinds of voices, and some of those voices are on the other side of the guardrails, and we have to say, I ain't going there. No, I'm going to stay in the guardrails, because someplace in there I I can hear God's voice on what I need to do in terms of what's in question in my life right now. Okay, so start listening. Start listening with the Bible open. Start listening, I would say, likewise, with with Him in the spotlight, because we live in a narcissistic world. And you know what that means? I guess you do, narcissist. He's the guy that looked in the, in, the, in the pond and saw his own image, and he was enthralled with his own image. He was taking selfies. He was doing all kinds of things in, in that day. Yeah, and he was passing them on to everybody saying, am I not handsome or am I not? Yeah, well, that's what it is. It's all about me. I want what I want. I want to be fulfilled. I want to be happy. I understand all of that. I, I get that. I want it now. And I get that, too. Of course you want it now. Of course. The problem is that the world is saying, yeah, you can have it now, so you better demand it right now because you're too important not to get it right now. And I bring to you the counsel of James as he writes in chapter 4. You do not have because you do not ask God. That's part of the problem. And then the, the second part is when you ask, you do not receive because you ask with wrong motives. That you may what? Yeah. That's right. Spend what you get on your own pleasures. So what you have to ask is, okay, you know, I want to be married, but why do I want to be married? You know, I want to have a high-paying job. I want to be in a corner office, but why do I want to be in a corner office? I want to be a pastor, but why do I want to be a pastor? Yeah. I, 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 want that, I want that new BMW right now. And the question always comes back, why? Why? What's my motive? Why do I want God's guidance in what I'm looking for today? And if you're looking for guidance in something today, the best time to ask that question is right now. Why, why do I want that? Why do I want to have a baby? I, I don't know the hurt. I, I have no idea of the hurt of infertility. Both of our kids were unplanned. It's just the way it was. But I still have to ask the question, why? or let's put it on the other way, why do I want five kids? Why? All I'm talking about is getting him in the spotlight so that that he's the reason why I want that. And if he's not the reason why I want that, then that needs to be taken off the table and I go back to the drawing board and say, oh God, what do you want? Because he's in the center place. Could it be that I'm looking for guidance that will fulfill my dreams and not his. Yeah. (laughs) Yeah. Knowing me? (laughs) Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. Of course it could be. I got a track record of that. But is that the case right now? What's really ironic about this whole thing, and, and those of you who have walked with Christ for a while will know that this is true, is that I find my greatest fulfillment and happiness when I fit into the plans he has for me. Yeah, isn't that right? Yeah, my, my, what I want is fulfillment and what I want is happiness. <laughs> and, and, and the world tells me, okay, just be who you are. Well, who I am isn't too pretty. It's not even too handsome. So, so there's something else I, I need to be. Okay, you go and you get it with gusto. You get what you want. And I get it and then I don't have fulfillment or happiness and I'm after something else. But when God says, this is what I have for you, and I go for that, I find out that I'm all of a sudden happy and I'm fulfilled. Yeah. So to me, I mean, put them in the spotlight just makes all kinds of sense. In fact, let me share the verse that was read to you, and it's only a short verse, and I know that. It's a part of a larger picture, and I get that. I understand that. But this is the most important verse in the Bible for me when it comes to guidance and, and ruling my daily life. And that is uh, from Psalm 37, verse four. Um, delight yourself in the Lord, and this is an older translation, so I have to look at it again uh, because it's the one that I learned, and it's the one that I began to, to to start doing this with. Delight yourself in the Lord, and He will give you the what? What is it? Yeah, of your what? Yeah, He'll give you the desires of your heart. Well, that sounds like narcissism to me. No, it's not. Oh no, 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 no. See, this is the way it works. If I delight myself in Him, if He is my 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 if he is my love, if he, he is the most important person in my life, if, if uh, spending time with him in whatever way I do that is, is the most fulfilling thing that I can get, then he's going, to, he's going to be planting desires in my heart, and I'm not gonna necessarily know where they're coming from, they're gonna seem like they're mine, but, <laughs> but, but then he's gonna find it easy to fulfill them because they came from him. I didn't know he gave me a desire to be a, a pastor. I was going to go back to Naiakan and Teach, I, English Lit. And then I get, to, I, get to, I get to seminary and I'm in this MA program for two years, and, and the other guys and women were in the MDiv program for pastoral ministry, but I was in the MA program because I was going back to and teach and Teach and, and we had, maybe I told you this before, but we had two kids who were both sick and one was in the hospital and the other was at home. They both had pneumonia and we were struggling for finances. It was a really hard time and, and our pastor came and uh, he sat with us, he read the Bible, and he prayed. And then he took out $10. And I said, that's what I want to be. That's what I want to be. I want to be that guy. And where would I get that desire from? I don't know. Except I was delighting in God, and he planted the desire in my heart. So when the real thing came along, I said, that's it. That's it it looked like my desire but it wasn't my desire it was his but it became mine and he brought it to light that's what I mean that's why that verse is so important to me and I'm just uh, I'm just continuing to open that up in terms of my own life and learn how to do that so you get your Bible open You, uh, you make sure he's in the spotlight and then you seek God's guidance with open heart and open hands. Yeah. Yeah. Open heart and open hands. You know that request that means so much to you. You know that thing that you want so much. Yeah. You know that thing that you think you should have so much. Yeah. You know the one I mean? Yeah. <laughs> you know it. Yeah. yeah. Open hands. Who's to say that God shouldn't lead you down one path and then change that path And you will have to let go of what he had given you in the first place. He has every right to do that, doesn't he? I mean, he is God, so I think he has the right to change the path. Not because he changed his mind, or he made a mistake in the first place, but just because he knows where he wants you now. That's all. God led me into the real estate business with my dad, and I was going to take over the business. That was that trajectory was settled. There was no question about that. It was assumed. It was everything else. But then God changed the plan, and God said, Oh, no, now, Peter, I want you to leave your, your, your job and go back to school so that I can send you to something else. And I didn't know what that something else was, and I've, I'm sure I've told you that before. Would I be right to go back to God and say, I can't do that? You told me to be a real estate agent. You know what he'd say to me. He'd say, I have the right to change my plans for you, to direct you in a new path. So what I have to do is I have to take my, my, my uh, prayer request to God with open hands, because if I make my hands like this, you know what that's like. We've seen that before. You know, you have to tear open the fingers, and you break the fingers in the process, and God takes it out of unwilling fingers. So better than I'm, from the beginning, opening my hands and saying, Oh, God, I think this is what I need. Okay? Our church down in Basking Ridge, um, bought 67 acres of land, unheard of. Just unheard of. The last large plot of land in Burns Township for a million dollars. We were growing. We thought we needed to buy, buy, uh, build a new new uh, building, a complex. And Liquid was with us at the time. And we had plans. They'd be in one end of it. We'd be in the other end on Sundays. And then Tim would take over for me. And, and they'd take, he'd take the church further. And we'd all be together. And this was a wonderful plan. And we pursued it for eight years. And then God said, no, I'm not going to take you down that road. I'm going to take you down this one. And the town board said, No. And they found a way to say no. (laughs) And then they had the audacity to say, well, you can come back and try again. After eight years, I've got to try again. (laughs) I'm not trying again. Because God moved us from one place to another. And he has every right to do that. He could have opened that door, but he said no. So the Sunday after we got our no from the planning board, I had to go in front of the church and say, remember, we had this with open hands. Remember, we agreed on that. Because if we'd been like this... I don't know what would have happened. You better ask God for what he wants with open hands, <laughs> open heart, and you better, you better seek God's guidance with your language. This may be new to you. This is something I'm learning about right now. In your native tongue, we, we know something about languages and we know something about heart languages. My, my heart language is English. I'm an American. I don't know any other language. So it's English, you know? Your heart language may be Spanish, and you read your Bible in Spanish, or you read your Bible in Hindi, or or you may read your Bible in Swahili. uh, And people speak to you in Swahili, and it immediately brings a sense of, oh, yeah. You know what I mean? Well, that's what I call a heart language. I think we need to broaden that concept, and other people have done that very effectively. Dr. Gary Chapman wrote a book called Your Five Love Languages. Many of you have probably read that book, and you've probably read it to each other and told, told your wife why you're not happy because she doesn't use your love language. And he t- you know, that go- ay, ay, ay. But all it says is that we receive love from other people uh, if it's spoken in our language. It, not Spanish or English, I don't mean that, but our, our, our love language, okay? And, and Chapman has Given us five of those. He calls them words of affirmation, is one. Uh, other people, it's quality time. Other people, it's receiving gifts. Others, it's active service. And for most men, it's touching. Yes? Yeah, they're not, they're not willing to say amen to that. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Okay. Thank you for one amen. <laughs> yeah, yeah. I, I don't know. That's the way it is. Dr. Myra Perrine has written a book called What's Your God Language? And she builds on a book called Sacred Pathways by Gary Thomas, who really developed this idea for the first time, I think. Maybe other people have done it, I'm not sure. But she took this as her d project, and it's been published now. And she wrote a book called What's Your God Language? And all What's Your God Language is saying is that we all have different ways of spending, uh, of, of hearing from God and, and of, of uh, being comfortable with him and of uh, talking to him. And if we don't match our practices to our language, then no wonder we don't hear. Just like a guy who is expecting touch and his wife is giving words of affirmation doesn't hear it, and she doesn't hear it when she wants words of affirmation and we want to touch, okay? So likewise, with the God language, you get this idea, and it makes so much sense to me, and I'm, I'm trying now to put it in practice and introduce it to my class when I start teaching next Monday because I, I think this is gold. And in fact, the book, which I'd encourage you to buy, has a uh, has an inventory, and the inventory will take you through the process of determining what your God language is. And once it's taken you through the inventory of your God language, and you've determined, oh, this is mine, then it takes you through a uh, an inventory of your practices to tell whether or not you're, you're trying to listen to God in the right setting. Let me just give you several uh, illustrations or several kinds of language. One is some of us are activists. And, and, and it's when we are activists and when we're, we're doing something for the kingdom of God, we're, we're fighting against... Uh, uh, Children's, victim, children's victims, we're, we're fighting against women who are trafficked. We're, we're fighting against uh, generational poverty. We're doing something about abortion or, or, or we're working in some other area or bigotry. Then, then all of a sudden we feel like, you know, oh, this is what God created me for. And we're really open to hear his voice. It, that's, all, that's all it means. You may be one of those. Others of us are naturalists. We need to be out in the, in the woods uh, walking walking. Because when we're out in the woods walking and, and maybe we're listening to our, our worship music on our, on our phones, then, then all of a sudden we, we get these ideas and God feeds these ideas into us and we, we come away from there refreshed and, and we're ready to go because why? Well, because we've heard from God. And what we've heard from God may simply be, I really, I really like you, Peter. Wouldn't you like to hear that from God? I mean, Really? In a day when I need to hear from everybody else on my Facebook page, I really like you, I need to hear from God, I like you. Yeah. And the way you may do that best is as you watch the ocean waves roll in, or or as you take pictures of flowers, or as you tend to flowers, you're a naturalist. That's good, that's good. Or a third one is some of us are sunsates. We love the smells and bells of liturgical worship. (laughs) Now, that doesn't do anything for me but i got brothers and sisters who love that stuff. They really do, because they're sensates, okay? Can you see the idea? If if you're trying to spend time with God in the way that I spend time with God, that's okay if you're like me and you speak the same language, but if you're not like me, if you're something else, if you're you're a a naturalist, (laughs) sitting in my basement with my chair and my books and my Bible right there, that doesn't do anything for you why should it? Because you speak Spanish and I speak English. I, that's all it's saying. There, there's a match-up with who God has created us to be in the same way there is with any other language. And so I, I, I would encourage you to get this book. It's, it's, I don't know how expensive it is, but it's worth every penny of it. And I get no commission for it, so you buy it and, and enjoy it. And there's an inventory in there for determining your God language. And then there's an inventory for... Uh, uh, evaluating your practices, because they may be out of whack. And if they're out of whack, you're not hearing, because you're not listening with the right language, okay? Okay, that's, that's something really important to me. Our uh, uh, last one is start listening with your community. You were not meant to do this alone. You really weren't. Uh, you need other people who, who know you well and will listen with you and reflect on what you say. Um, who believe that you might be hearing God's voice but don't naturally endorse it necessarily because they're listening to and they know what you're like they they know your temperament they know they know what you what you thrive in and what you don't thrive in and they're going to give you the kind of feedback that says well that may be God's voice but but you know this part about it bothers me when I think about you going in that direction, and and that's what you need, because then you go back to Father, and you say, Father, I've got this concern that I'm going to be in in an unnatural setting for me, so, so you've got to help me evaluate this and think this through. Would you tell me whether you really want me to go in that way? And he may confirm it, or he may say, listen to your friends, you know? Listen to the people in your small group. Listen to the, to the pastoral staff. Listen to your, your best friends that you get together with on a regular basis and, and share with them what's going on. Listen to your ministry team. You were not meant to do this alone. I was not meant to do this alone. I need community. I need brothers and sisters who know me and, and know what's going on in me. I told you a little bit of the story about Ilona and me. Uh, you know, we met in, in September. Uh, October we knew each other uh, we knew we loved each other um, January I gave her a ring uh, June we were married he said that's crazy that's what we told our kids that's crazy don't do that the reason why we did it was because we're impulsive that's part of the reason then I twisted her arm but, but the other reason why is because everybody who knew us said this is good this is good and 49 years later it's still good Yeah? Because they had an insight into us, mainly our parents. Mainly our parents said, yeah, this is good. This is right for you. You're at this stage in life. You love each other. You're both committed to walk with God, to know Jesus in in a personal and powerful way. So this is good. This is okay. We needed that. We need community. So what have we got? Start listening. With your Bible open, start listening with Him in the spotlight, start listening with open heart and open hands, start listening with what? Your language, start listening with, yeah. Let me say one more thing and then I'll quit. Be quiet. We can't listen at 95 miles an hour. We can't. We can't listen with text messages coming in and going out. We probably can't even listen with this on silent and vibrating in your pocket. Yeah. We, we can't listen with the television on. We can't listen with constant chatter. We can't listen when we're engulfed in distractions. We can't listen. Do you think for a minute that when you get before God in heaven, you're going to answer a phone call? Probably not. Do you think you'll say to him, oh, just a minute, I've got a text, I've got to answer. Probably not. You'll have a fried phone. (laughs) Yeah, probably not. No, no what makes me think that I can sit today, this goes broader, this goes to my wife, goes to my children, my grandchildren, and exclude them from my life or give them half of my attention with this thing getting the other half. And if I can't do it with them, then how on earth can I ever do it with God and expect to hear his voice? Psalm 46 says, Be still and know that I am God. I will be exalted among the nations, I will be exalted in the earth. Don't get me wrong, God speaks all the time. I really believe that. He speaks through my friends, he speaks uh, on the job, he speaks uh, uh, when I'm on vacation, he speaks with my my family, he speaks as I serve, he speaks all the time. And what I need to do is be listening, and and I need to do that, but I need some quiet time to process that. I've gotten all this input, I need to sit quietly. Quietly and yeah, I have worship music in the background, that's fine, but, but not the kind of thing that disrupts, disrupts and distracts me from hearing the, the heavenly voice which says, oh no, this is the way, you need to go in this. I, I got I to be quiet. He will, you know the dot things where you have to connect the dots? Yeah, where you draw that, that's what he'll do. He'll take the dots of your life and of the direction he's giving to you, and he'll start connecting them in the times when you're before him in quiet. And you do that out on the ocean in a boat, that's fine if that's what you are. You do it in the basement like I do, that's that's fine if that's what you are. You do it while you're calligraphing uh, a scripture verse, that's fine if that's who you are. You do it when you're in a liturgical service, that's fine if that's who you are. But, But be quiet. Just shut up. I don't say that in front of my grandkids, I'm not allowed to, but... They're not here. Just be quiet. Does God care if you marry, who you marry? Oh, yeah. Yeah, he sure does. Does God care if you have three kids or no kids? Absolutely he does. Does he have an interest in the job that's best for you? Sure. Does he care about how you serve him? Oh, yes, he does. Is he willing to share that with you? Oh yeah. Absolutely. But you'll have to be quiet. Shh. Somewhere along the line to hear what he has to say.